Carlos Estevez and I listen to Halfway Around the Halo. Fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariner racing back to the track. Welcome back to another episode of Halfway Around the Halo, the LA Angels UK podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these. The last one was with a Taylor Ward, the Angels left fielder, right fielder, first baseman, third baseman, catcher, whatever you want to call him. Taylor Ward on a hot streak, by the way, since we recorded the last podcast. Unfortunately, Dave is on an unauthorized holiday this week. I don't remember signing off on it, but he's not around. But thankfully, I've upgraded and I've brought in our good friend Sam Bloom from The Athletic and the Calling All Halos of Anaheim podcast, which is new since you've been on the podcast last. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. Should I talk, should I talk in a British accent with Dave not here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to keep that going for as long as we're here, feel free. But... No, I, 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 it, would, it would just devolve over the course of... Uh you know the whole episode <laughs> also that is the poshest dave accent i've ever heard <laughs> you gotta get a bit more essex for that but sam you're currently in detroit aren't you um yes. it's a big week for the halos but before we get onto all of that which we'll get onto quickly last night's game what an experience right i mean you have yeah. a bit more live tweeting than i think you'd like to I, well it started with the tv broadcast going out which i mean what, like I was just talking about, I was actually just having a phone conversation with Gooby about it because it was like just so crazy. I mean, he basically said that they got on their their cell phone at first. They were like Instagram living it, and then they realized like they weren't allowed to do that. And then they got on, uh, like their cell phones and had to like sit far apart. You know, uh, Matt Vaskersian and Gooby because they couldn't like be on the same call. Like it was just just really weird. So that that you know went on for like seven innings. And then obviously once that ended, then the actual craziness started. <laughs> Honestly, so I was I was watching Matt Vaskersian's Instagram live for that one inning, which was quite entertaining. To be honest to them, great professionals. The fact that him and Gooby were sitting there on Instagram live, calling the game as if they were just calling it from the booth on TV. It was quite yeah. impressive to watch. And it's but... like, well, you also realize they don't have like, you know, when you're calling a game on Bally's or, you know, whatever t- network, you have, you know, people giving you stats, you have people giving you information in your ear and, you know, you have stat cast, you have all these things at your disposal, but like there was no internet there last night. And they had like none of these things, wow. like no communications really. So it was just like, just calling a game on the fly. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounded pretty crazy. Did MLB get in touch with uh, Vasco? I don't know. Um, I don't, someone must've told them not to Instagram live, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd have thought Sounds in that like... situation, a bit of leniency, yeah. but anyway, Crazy game, as you said, though. That fit, I can't believe it. What happened? Yeah. I mean, they really they needed to win that game yesterday. So they uh, and they almost they almost really blew. That would have been that would have kind of been the end. I, I think so. Which is a worrying position to be in at the end of July, where one game can swing things. But between that and the Houston disaster just after the break, I mean, those two games, which both of them were games that were won, and then thankfully this one we pulled it out somehow. But if to yeah. lose that, I mean, everything's finished. Yeah, I mean, and, and to your point, I mean, you got to give them some credit because that game against the Astros was was right there. They should have won that game, um, and they didn't. And they've since then they've been really good. So I mean, that's the kind of game, you know. 
I thought would have kind of buried them, to be honest with you. Um, just the way that when you lose a game like that and it's so important and that series was so important against the Astros and it was right after the All-Star break and it's like you got all this, you know, you come in, you come no matter how bad you were going in, coming out of the All-Star break, you know, that feeling that there's still a chance to only to have that kind of loss happen. And they've they've since rebounded really well. So, I mean, that's that's what's given them some hope here. And, yeah, you know, winning last night was uh, was absolutely necessary. And then tonight we got old friend Michael Lorenzo. I was just reading some of the quotes you've been posting that you've had for oh, yeah. over the last couple of He said a few interesting things, hasn't he? he did. If I was I miss a, him. Yeah. If I was a Tigers fan, I wouldn't necessarily be too happy with some of what he said today ahead of the game, ahead of pitching against the Angels. Things like, you know, the Angels have to win all of these games. Like, you know my feelings about being home. That kind of like, just, he obviously is a true competitor and I'm not suggesting in any way yeah. that he wouldn't want to win this game for his current team but like if you're if you're a, a Tigers fan of that mind you're not going to be overly happy hearing that yeah I mean I agree with that I mean I also think like well not that I feel like I took it take anything out of context I just think you know unless you're like there listening to him do the whole interview you like don't always understand everything you know uh that's just it's like hard to kind of convey maybe exactly the emotions he's expressing yeah I mean listen I like you also think about it. I think if a Tigers fan was there listening to everything he said, they might also not love that. You know what I mean? Just because he even talked about how like last year or when they, when he ended up signing with the Tigers or he was thinking maybe it wasn't the right decision. He might, might have should have gone back to the angels. So I think that's more like he understood, like it, to give you more context, like, you know, that's we're walking into the clubhouse. That's me, Jeff Fletcher and Erica Weston. So that's, you know, he knows who he's talking to yeah. and he knows like the audience that it's going to be reaching um, and I think that he's was probably in a bit of a tough situation because he couldn't really or didn't want to really reveal exactly everything that happened with the Angels. It sounds like, you know, they negotiated to some extent, but it just didn't really get farther than that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't listen. I think he's going to go out there and try to beat his team tonight, assuming yeah. they played it. There's a lot of rain in the forecast. I, I mean, you've kind of touched on it. I was going to follow up with the other thing he said was about this mutual decision not to resign right. the angels and whether there was any more context to that because it's a it's a strange i think a mutual decision like that is a strange comment usually there's one party or the other that is leading those discussions whether it's there's not enough money on the table right. from the angels or he wants to try something else elsewhere so i just thought mutual was an i agree he, he declined to say what that really meant right. to be honest with you so um yeah i mean it's uh... I think there are probably there are scenarios that kind of go through your head that you can kind of speculate about like, yeah, it's maybe there was a certain offer or maybe he just felt like, you know, maybe Detroit makes more sense. And there are reasons why Detroit would have made more sense for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I think he probably could have reasonably guessed that you sign a one year deal with the Detroit Tigers. There's a good chance you're going to get flipped to the deadline. Uh, uh, he probably felt like, you know, maybe the pitching uh, staff there uh, in terms of like their coaches were good. It's possible he felt that, you know, pitching in a weaker division in a bigger ballpark would have been good for him. So there's a lot of things that would make sense about the Tigers for him in this scenario. So that could have been part of it, you know, maybe just the amount of money or, you know, the the uh, situation in Anaheim or the Angels, maybe they backed off and that gave him an excuse. It could be any number of things. Uh, so I don't want to speculate too much. I just think that it's it's, you know we don't always know what goes on behind closed doors in these types of scenarios. But uh, I, I think that what I took away from talking with him yesterday was that he likes Anaheim. There's, you know, he's going to be a free agent after this season. It's not like it's out of the question that he can end up signing with the angels after this year. And um, 
you know, there's it's not like he hated Detroit. I think he actually really liked pitching in Detroit. It's just, you know, just the reality of the situation that he's probably going to get traded somewhere, maybe even to Anaheim next week. <laughs> well, that's the uh, that's the question we're asking. Yeah. This is obviously a huge week for the Halos. Biggest week of the season by far. What's the mood like, do you think, around the team at the moment since the All-Star break? Is there that is there that feeling that this is like all on the line, make or break week to, yeah. to how the rest of the season goes? Yeah, I'm not not, not like every player is going to tell you that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a good feeling right now. I mean, they're winning. Um, they they got a huge break from the Dodgers last night because they came back from four. They kind of had the same game the Angels did, but they ended up making the actual comeback and coming back from four runs down and winning the game um, to give. Uh, to kind of put the angels back within a game closer of the blue Jays who the Dodgers beat. So it's, yeah, they're three and a half games out. I mean, I think that everything the angels want to accomplish right now, can happen in these next couple of days, really, if they win these next, I mean, they got six games. I think if they go like four and two or five and one, they're putting, they've put themselves in an incredible position to maybe add at the deadline. And so that's, that's, I think that's kind of the barometer here. I mean, can you, can you win these games against the tigers? Can you take maybe two out of three in, in Toronto? And then, that's it. I mean, that's what you, they need to do. Uh, and it's, it's, it's right there for them. I think that, you know, it's, we could be having a totally different conversation in two or three days if things don't go well, but uh, right now it's, it's, I think they're in position to be adding at the deadline rather than subtracting. And yeah, the, the, the feeling and the vibes are, uh, are tense, but also I think positive. I think tense is fine if they're positive. You're right. I mean, you yeah. want them to be tense. You want them to be, it, they, you want them to be the sort of guys that, step up in that situation that realize the importance to the angels right now and that these are games that they have to go out there and give their best not they don't always give their best but go out there and win so it's interesting to hear i would say though it slightly concerns me that so much is being made of like this period of games and you hear it quite a lot from the players and reporters and everything else yeah like these next few games mean so much because you take a step back and you look ahead to August. August is a tough, tough month for the Incredibly tough. You could easily have a situation this week where we sweep the Tigers, you take, you win the series against the Blue Jays, even win a game, two games against the Braves in a really nice position. You've bought at the deadline and then you go into August and we've seen this team collapse and go on these runs. We've even had one this year, like, what was it? 11 losses in 13 games. Like, yeah. It does it does worry me that there is a point where everybody's looking so instantly and so focused on now to the deadline that the grand picture's not being looked at for this team, which ultimately has shown to be so inconsistent again. Already. Oh, I, I mean, I totally agree with that because it's like, I think, I think this all kind of started a year ago at the deadline when they did not trade Otani because when you didn't trade Otani this time last year, what you were kind of saying is well, we want to win with him this year. And that's why this week is so important because they have to, they have put everything into winning this season. And so, you know, it's it's that, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't necessarily think everything should be on the line this week. I think a reasonable team would be looking at a lot of different scenarios right now and their future possibly being more important than their present. But the way, that's not the way the Angels operate. Like, look, and there's so many incentives within their, you know, organizational structure that make it seem like that make like that's not the way for them to operate because Phil Nevin's on a one-year contract. Perry Manazzi and I think, you know, maybe a contract extends be one year beyond this, but even so, I'm not sure how, you know, mm-hmm. how much of a rope he has if they don't make the playoffs this year. Even Artie Moreno feels like it could be year to year with him in the way that he's kind of been going back and forth with his ownership st- status. 
Uh, you got Otani, obviously. I mean, even someone like Mike Trout, who's signed up through 2030. I mean, I can't imagine that he's going to be thrilled if everything kind of, you know, like falls apart after this year. So there's just a lot of things that feel like it's built up to this moment. And is that a healthy thing? No. Is that a factor of how the Angels have operated for a very long period of time that has never worked for them? Yes. But at the end of the day, that is where they are right now. They're in a position where they are relying on having a good week. Now, I think you can make a very good case that having an awful week would honestly be the best thing for this for this franchise. You make a very good case for that. Um, as a, you know, as, as like a fan, like for you, like I, you know, I think that's a hard thing to, to, to reconcile because you spend every night waking up or wake, I mean, staying up till dawn to watch this team and to root for this team. And I think everybody who I like interact with, you know, who are angels fans, like, you know, they, they don't want to see the team sell. They don't want to see the team fail, but it's, you're, you're looking at, at a really complicated situation where, you know, I just. They, in order to 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 make the right moves, they might be they might need to be forced to make the right moves. But at the end of the day, I mean, listen, why not just go for it, right? If you have a, if you're within three games or you're within two or two games, like, you know, it's it's really tough. To, it's tough to give up on a season like that, even with a really tough August schedule. The good news for the Angels is they get the A's six times in September, mm-hmm. and you know, there's uh, there's a pathway for them to maybe make a little run late in the season. But it's it's yeah, there's it's really tough. I imagine Perry Manazian is losing a lot of sleep over the last few days it probably will over the next week i think you've summed it up well and it is really tough one i wouldn't be able to make the case that losing is the best thing for this franchise i know people won't agree with me i've seen it and ultimately you made the point there and i fully agree there's no way i can go into a game and want the angels to lose it's like even at the back end of the last few losing seasons even those September games, I'm not watching those games hoping the Angels lose, even though yeah. the Angels losing was the best thing for them to do when they're out of it. Right. Lottery-wise, yeah. lottery-wise, whatever. You can't do it as a fan. So I obviously want to see this team sweep everything this week, go on a big run, win these games, go into August with some momentum, add at the deadline and obviously go on a huge run. That You can't not as a fan want that, but you're right. I think in some ways we said it's a really difficult position for Perry. And it is. It's really challenging and for the team around him as well. But in other ways, you could argue it's almost, you know, almost win-win. You've got the situation where it gets taken out of your hands, you lose, and they realize they have to sell off now and look again to build. Or you win some games, you add, and you go all in, and you get the fans back in. The fans are going to be completely... You look at all the polls on Twitter, I'm sure you see it. The amount of positivity towards buyers and sellers is like 75-25, I think. Like maybe even as high as 80% on this team needs to buy right now. So you're getting buy-in from a fan base that is desperate to see some success, desperate to see Angels playing meaningful baseball, not even necessarily in October, but in back end of August and early September. Yeah, right. It's like that doesn't happen. So I think in some ways it's a very unenviable position, but in other ways, I think whatever Perry does here, there are benefits to it. Um, and so I guess we need to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's like, I think you could look at it as a win-win or you could look at it as a lose-lose. And yeah. it's like, it, there's, because like, listen, I mean, there's a pathway where they win, you know, let's say they go five and one of the next six games and, you know, they're like one or two games out of the, third wild card i mean listen they're not even like that far out of the division i think it'll be tough oh. to pass both the the astros and the rangers but they're like what are they six and a half games out right now so it's not like that's 
you know, not insane. It's not an insane hill to climb. I think it would be really tough, but it's possible. But I'm, I guess my larger point is, yeah, like, so you, you know, let's say you have a really good run and then you're like a game or two out and you, you buy and then, and then all of a sudden you've now sold, you've sold off a lot of your prospects. You're still not in a playoff position. Mm-hmm. You still don't know if you can get Otani to sign, resign. And then you don't make the playoffs and then all these bad things happen. And then you don't really have a pathway for a future in 2024. In my opinion, it'd be, it would be really tough. Um, and you don't really have, you know, a, a way to convince Otani to stay. And it's like, it, a lot of bad things can happen if the, if, if the risk does not pay off mm-hmm. now, the risk paying off, I think I would argue no matter what happens in the playoffs, it'd be worth it. If you can get to the playoffs, the yeah. risk it's, it's worth it. I mean, it's been nine years without you just have to get there. Right. Like it's been too long. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, you're right. The schedule is really tough. The angels are, have, have proven year in and year out. They're not built for 162. Um, and that's that we've, they've yet to prove it. Right. So unless they've shown it, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's really tough. And they've got some injuries where it's, uh, you know, it's, it, do they have the depth to really make that run? So they really have the team. It's, it's a question mark right now, but I think when you're winning, it's so hard to uh to think you know that you're uh that it's gonna stop at some point and that you're 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 just gonna fall apart and and you want it you want to build on it you want to build on the winning and they're winning right now at a very interesting time it's a really interesting time to be to be having some success absolutely and hey your point on the division i I said it in may i'll say it now i'll be absolutely shocked if the astros don't come back and win the division yeah they, it's looking like it they're just built for it. They just know how to win. They're just a very, very good franchise. It's funny. The funny thing is, when they played the the uh, Angels like last week, I was like, really, I was like, this is their team. Like it was, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I was the, like, who's Bly Madras? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But they just, they just find sense. ways to win. It's yeah. Dusty Baker is obviously great, great guy, great manager. Um, yeah, that team and just they find ways to win. So I'd be shocked if they didn't win the division. On your point about depth, though, I mean, I'd say that's where this year you've got to give them a lot of credit and you've got to give Perry a lot of credit because we haven't collapsed. We've had, again, we've had a ridiculous run with injuries. This team is cursed in some form because every year, year on year, injuries just, the bug hits. But we haven't fallen away. You had a really bad run, but they've come back stronger. And I don't need to name it, but, like, obviously – Mustakas has come in and been fantastic for the team. Escobar's done a job. Moniak obviously has stepped up completely. And even though I still don't really believe these numbers, it's like you can't argue with the performance. He yeah, keeps... Moniak is kind of like I agree with you. It's like like when is this going to tail off a little bit? And he just keeps hitting. Uh, and then like there are reasons to think he would tail off, like the just the the strikeouts to walks are the number one thing that come to mind. Um, and then also the fact that he's not platooning anymore, so he's facing lefties more often. But yeah, I mean, he's like, look, still hitting. Just hits, hits, hits. Taylor um, Wolf steps up. He's been very good since the back end of May now. And, and no one's going to like hearing this, but Luis Renifo has been good for a while now. So, so apart from yeah. me, I love Luis Renifo. Right? I've been on the bandwagon the whole way through. And never once would you have seen me calling to drop him because the potential is there. And finally, you're right. He is stepping up. And I do agree with the frustrations. Like He's still not having a great year. He's still oh, only... no, he's not having a great year at all, but he's, he's doing better over the last month. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's so much there. And everyone always wanted to cut him. And as baseball fans do, when they get a bit emotional, it's DFA, DFA, DFA. But you do not DFA a guy like that with the potential he has. 
and I mean, they even got like Aaron Loop. Everyone wanted to to dish him, and look at he's now probably their number two guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was probably I was probably more on that bandwagon. I've got to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I I don't. I mean, I don't blame you. I I probably was too to some extent. Not that I was calling for it, but I you could look at the numbers and say, okay, like this guy's not performing very well, and he's and he was right. I mean, he was you know he was out of shape. He talked about it last night. Yeah. I mean. Didn't look as he looks like he's more engaged. He looks like he wants to be a part of this right now. So that's important. Um, yeah, Luis Renifos is, is yeah. They've got some guys who have who have kind of come back into the fold a little bit. And yeah, I think that was part of the reason why they haven't had the year they maybe wanted the Angels overall. I mean, someone like Taylor Ward was expecting a much better year, but he's really stepped up recently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Luis Renifos is another guy who's like, okay, like it's it's why why are you having this type of he was his the OPS as of like a month ago was sub 600 and mm. now he's having a really nice little run here and so they've they've got a they've got a roster i mean they've got some they've got some depth uh i mean it's it's why i think you know we don't see people really asking much about jared walsh or you know david fletcher like these fan favorites or even max dassey who i you know i'm really hoping he's okay and everything's going well with him and his family but it's um yeah i mean like some of these guys who you maybe would have relied on coming into the season or expected them to be starting every day who are just like not even with the team right now and they're surviving, you know, they're, they're in a lot of ways. It's like, they could be, they're doing pretty well. Uh, they got a little bit of an issue, I think with Chad Wallach right now. I mean, uh, he hasn't gotten ahead in almost a month and a half now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a tough situation. They really need a Logan Hoppy to get healthy, which I think they're hopeful to have happen in the next month, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it, there's, there's certain things that are of concern and there are certain players that are, are, are the reason why they're now finally playing well. Yeah, I can't agree. I mean, the the catching thing with Wallach is definitely an issue. But at the same time, if other parts of the lineup are picking him up and they have been recently, it's less. He just doesn't play anymore. I mean, Matt Dice has been has been good. That's been that has been like one of the best surprises, I think, for this team this year is Dice because he's you know, uh, he hadn't really even caught much before this year. And I think that even coming into the season, they were like, can he really catch major league games consistently? But, you know, that matter. And he's proven he can. And that's like, man, could you and then to imagine where they were at the beginning of the season with their catching depth to where they are now to having basically just him that they can rely on. I mean, there's so much being put on him right now. And uh, he's stepped up. And I mean, it's not like he's having an all star season or anything, but he's been like, you know, he's done enough to really kind of rate them and keep that keep that steady enough until Hoppy can come back. Definitely. I mean, he's been a huge surprise and a huge bonus. And we would have been lost without him, as you say. I mean, yeah. the depth there is now non-existent, hitting-wise. Um, when yeah. you lose Ohoppy, you lose Stassi's all-round game for the whole year. And Wallach had his hot spell, but is back to career norms, where he wasn't even a fringe major league guy. I mean, he's a career minor leaguer, really. There's never yeah, I mean, he's had some, you know, he's been up and down a lot. But yeah, I mean, this is, man, it's been rough rough so he's been striking out a lot right i think we've done really really well not to talk about shohei otani trade situation oh yeah i can't now. even believe it. i haven't even talking here for like 20 minutes and exactly. no time. i don't think i've I even been, said his name i've been i've been able i don't think i've said his name once so i didn't so, even you know it's crazy because how how many requests you know we've been getting in the last like week and then two weeks about just otani and it's just everyone wants to talk about him and it's like man it honestly is like we're sitting here 148 hours and you know 51 minutes until the trade and i was like not that i'm counting you know what i mean it's like whatever uh just try to get past this you know this all this drama of otani it's like it's in some ways it's cool and it's exciting and it's fun and in other ways it's like just really like 
tiring and and I, I get why it's the biggest story in sports right now but it's also like I don't think they're going to trade him at this point I'd be pretty surprised they'd have to have a really rough little stretch here in order for them to trade him I think cynically people are going to say I left it until the middle of the podcast and make sure people are still listening at yeah. this point but it hadn't crossed my mind until then but honestly I just think there's so much to talk about on this Halos team and as you say I've seen every article on Shohei that's out there I've seen what you've written I've seen what other people have written you have to talk about it, it is obviously a massive thing in sport yeah. and yeah. it's partly why we love Shohei so much because of his greatness and it, it's how he's able to get people into baseball that weren't necessarily interested in baseball Brilliant. I think that's why it's so fascinating. I can't disagree with you either. I say all the time, I just see no way this team trade Shohei Atani. They've shown no inclination that that's what they want to do. I know in the media, you, you see national media, you see bits and pieces here and there, don't you? You know, they're listening to offers, which they have to be listening to offers. That's what any right. good GM there, there are so, There are some people that put out information that is not information, that is dressed up like information. Yeah, We can all kind of, deduce what i'm talking about but it's just there's a lot of that yeah exactly but so you see even if we do lose these next six games there's no way shohei goes in your view uh i wouldn't say that uh, i wouldn't say if they like were to lose the next six games because i do think that you know they're if they're out of if they're like if you lose those six games you're in a position of probably being like you know maybe seven eight games out of a playoff spot so that would be I would think they should train him if that's the case. And like I said, I really think a lot of it is all dependent on this year. So, you know, they, they have built this. They've look, look at all the things they've done this year. Call up Zach Neto at the time seemed like kind of almost a desperate move because it was like right in response to them, like botching a, a game against the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, they've called up a lot of, I mean, and then I would argue that some of the relievers that they've called up while at the times they've been really good. You could also make a case that these that, that that was rushing players up that should not have been called up and moving them into positions that were not advantageous to them. And that's why I think some of these guys are either, you know, kind of ineffective or have gotten hurt. Um, so there's there's been some decisions that I think you could probably question. Um, but I think it's all been done in the name of like getting this team to a point where they can be contending this year, because that has been the number one objective all uh since this time last year is like what can you do till 20 to get 2023 to be a year that Otani can win in, in a Los Angeles Angels, whatever, uh, <laughs> uniform. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, that is, um, yeah, I mean, that's to me, this is the, that's been the objective. So if, 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 if they get to a point where they're staring down the very, very realistic possibility that they will lose him for nothing but a draft pick, I do think that they'll consider. And I think that's probably why you're seeing some smoke in the national media about them listening because they're, they're making those calculations too. I mean, they, they're. I, I've always said the, wor- the only worst thing than trading, uh, being the owner or GM that trades Otani, is being the owner or GM that lets Otani walk for nothing. So that's that's the only thing that's worse. Um, and I, I get why they wouldn't want to do it regardless, but I think that they would have to consider it if they find themselves in a position where they're not in strong, com- you know, competitive position to make a playoff run, uh, especially with that schedule that we talked about. I mean, you know, it's it's that's why this next these next really five, six games are are so, so, so massive. Yeah. And that point around him walking, I guess that's the other question to ask here. How much do you think not trading him now would be playing into their mind ahead of trying to re-sign him? Because quite honestly, whilst no doubt every team wants to sign Shohei Atani and the Angels will want to re-sign Shohei Atani, they don't really talk about it. They don't really like, 
Nobody, yeah, they, they don't say anything. And I, don't, I, I would be surprised if Otani's given them much of a clear indication. I think that's a big thing too. I mean, there's no, there's no like smart leverage point for them to, for the angels, uh, for Otani to be communicating with the angels about what he wants. I mean, they're, they would like to drive up the price. I mean, I imagine Nesbolello is a good agent and he would like to get as high a price as possible as he can for his, the, the greatest client he's probably ever had or ever will have. So that is, uh, that's his objective. I would imagine. And um, yeah, I mean, the angels probably feel like they have a chance to resign him, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, if they were to trade him, I think it'd be really tough for them to get him back. Uh, I don't even know if they have a real shot of getting him back. If they, you know, make a run, it's it's, he doesn't talk about it. He's mm-hmm. not communicative about it with the media. And I'm, I don't think he is with his teammates to be honest with you. And I certainly don't think he is with the angels front office or, I mean, I asked him point blank, would you consider resigning here? And he was just like, you know, just no, no, didn't answer. Yeah, yeah, it's just nothing. Yeah, he's just like we haven't had that conversation, so it's the, I, he he knows what he's doing. I mean, it's just like he knows he's not he knows not to answer that. He's I think he he's really judicious about how he says how he answers questions, and I think it's also plays into why he doesn't answer that many questions to begin with. But um, it's uh that's 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 the complicating factor here is that there's just a lot of unknowns. But I I really think that um he's he you know. It, it's going to be tough for them to re-sign him. So that's, that's, there's a lot, and there's several factors at play there. I mean, even if they were to make the playoffs, it's, is that enough? Like, is that enough to prove that they can win long-term? Because he, want, he wants to win long-term. Is, is Artie Moreno really going to pay what it takes to outbid, you know, some teams that are, are probably going to pay, you know, maybe more than six. When I say six, I mean $600 million. Like, that's that that that's kind of what the questions they need to be asked here, and, and that's what the angels need to be talking about, you know, amongst themselves. They know what they're willing to spend. That's the one thing they can control. But there's so many other things here, and it's just I have a hard time believing that, you know, Artie Moreno is really going to be the guy to do this. But I, I, the track record says he won't. But it's it, it's uh, just because of the luxury tax. So that 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 there's, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I, I just I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think you're not wrong. It is going to be tough. I don't think anyone should be under any illusions that it won't be. And it's why calling for him to be traded last year at the deadline realistically was the best thing to do for the franchise going forward. As, a fan, as a fan, it is not the right thing to do because you want to watch a year and a half of Shohei Atani. Um, right. Makes the Angels a lot more enjoyable, a lot more marketable and everything else. But from a pure perspective, if he doesn't resign, that was the time to do it. I think what you say about him not interviewing, not really talking about this subject, I thought it was quite noticeable at the All-Star game. It just felt a little calculated to me. Some of his responses, some of his like nods, smiles here and there. You know, I think it was the Mariners question that got me when they were, you know, the Mariners beat reporters were trying to convince him that that was the place to, to play. And he was very good with his answer, wasn't he? You know, I can't remember exactly what he said, but effectively said he liked playing there and it was a possibility, didn't that's he? What he? And that's what he always says. Yeah. yeah. So, says like, I mean, he's been he's been advised well, clearly. He knows what he wants probably in his head, but we just have to hope now, if he doesn't get traded, that the Angels make the playoffs and do have a shot to re-sign him long-term if he sees a future here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, it's it's. I think he's very calculated. I mean, I think he's incredibly intelligent and... Yeah. You know, he's also very enigmatic. We don't know what he's thinking or what he's doing or like where he spends his time. I think a lot of it is probably overhyped. Like, I don't think he's like living some crazy second life that we don't know about. I think 
spends a lot of time sleeping. Yeah, I don't know with eBay, you know, just just all the things that we already kind of see him doing. So it's, yeah, I mean that, <laughs> it's it, it. He's just like it's so hard. I get asked so many questions about him, and I'm always having to kind of just like reformulate the same answer in different yeah. ways because he's so hard to read, and he we don't like you could I we spend time around him every day. Yeah. The crazy thing is, like, he walks. We can walk. He could be walking past us. Like, I can be having a conversation with someone about him. I can literally say his name. Probably just keep. Probably hear it. I don't know if he'll like really hear it though. You know what I mean? He's just like he's so locked in and focused. Very friendly. I mean, you know, if you say something, he'll like be nice about it. But it's not like he's. I just, I just think he's kind of in his own bubble, both with the both in in like his own angels universe. I mean, like, look, like somebody comes. If a new pitcher comes in, in a game when he's batting. Is it Marcus that comes out? Is it Phil Plantier that comes out? Is it or no? It's Ipe. Ipe comes out with his iPad and like shows him like it gives yeah. him scouting. Report. Like you, it's just it shows how much different his world is compared to everybody else there. And I think that might be why he kind of likes it here to some extent is because he kind of has that freedom. But that's the one thing I think the Angels have an advantage on. Well, I was defending him on Twitter yesterday for that exact reason. Someone asked me whether well they didn't ask me they put a question out whether he regrets signing in Anaheim and I don't think he regrets it in the slightest he's been able he's been able to flourish and become this player and maximize the talent he has because the angels have let him and have let him do everything on his own schedule decide when he pitches when he hits what he does and he would not have got that at pretty much any other franchise particularly when he first joined and the DH wasn't a thing in the National League he was so limited in choice of teams that would have let him be Shohei. So I think he must have some sort of warmth towards the franchise just for that. I agree with that. I mean, listen, I don't, I, don't, I think if he were to leave, I don't think it's because he like, is. I don't think it fits the same narrative that you'll probably see from so many people being like, oh my God, he just needed to get out of there. Like it was just this hellhole for him. And that like, they just, like, I don't, you know, when you're around it, I don't think that's the vibe any at all, to be honest with you. Does that mean that, I think there's probably some certain truths that have in, you know, in that, not truth that untruth right like there i think there are aspects that of him that are probably frustrated with this losing and feel as though the angels maybe aren't in a position to win long term i think that's a possibility i'm not saying that's what he thinks but i think that's a possibility i don't think that means that he's like got ill ill will or hasn't enjoyed his time here and i agree with you that the angels have let let him do what he wants to do you know on a number of different levels you know whether that's kind of just like he had kind of creates his own schedule he was able to do the home run derby, pitch in the all-star game, do all these things, like go to the World Baseball Classic. That hasn't been the case for everybody. I mean, look at the Astros. They wouldn't let Frommer Valdez start this year's all-star game. And, and I don't maybe I'm not sure if he played in the World Baseball Classic, but there there are like some franchises that that make it more difficult yeah. for no for no reason. And and I don't know if if and the Angels, I mean, one thing you've got to give Perry a lot of credit for is he's always kind of been like, do what you gotta do, not just with with Shohei, but with a lot of players. They Really, he's not he's not a um, someone that that kind of holds holds players back from you know coming up to the majors from doing the things that make them successful. So I think that's one real big strength for the GM. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's been a part of why Otani's succeeded with the Angels and just become the superstar that he is. I would he have been a superstar anyway, probably. But you know, they've put him in a good position to kind of really break out as the game's maybe all time greatest player. Yeah, I can't disagree. And I, the final very quick showhead question, because otherwise you can just talk about him forever. I mean, A, you said there's superstar level. I've just got to point out, since we last recorded, he's just gone on another incredible run. Just he, He's won an MVP award by the end of July. If he doesn't get mm-hmm. traded, 
he's what he's got. I mean, like there is no competition whatsoever this year. Shohei should be unanimous. B, which is a very different question, but linked to what you were just saying about media. Does he give any sort of different opinion to the Japanese media? I know he has loads traveling with the team. You speak to them. What do they say about Shohei and how he interacts with them in his native language compared to how it is translated? Um, hmm. Well, one, yeah, he's won, he's won, he's won the MVP. Uh, that's <laughs> easy enough question. Um, to your second point, I don't think he's that much different. I mean, I, I think some things maybe are different in translation. Um, and the interesting thing is, I mean, when he pitches at home in particular, Dylan Hernandez, who covers kind of a columnist for the LA Times. So I know he's not like super popular among Angels fans for what I like Dylan. I think he does a good job, to be honest with you. But either way, um, he he speaks Japanese and he's able to translate these uh, um, interviews that sometimes have some revelatory information. Sometimes, not always. Right. Because I don't think he's that much different. And, mm. you know, I. I don't know like what he's getting asked always. I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't, I can't read what they say. And I think some, I think sometimes like it's possible some things kind of, you know, get fall through the cracks of all this because we're not hearing it and we don't speak the language and it's getting posted in media sites that, you know, I don't read because I can't. So it's like, um, yeah, I think there's probably some, maybe there's some information out there that, that has been said that we don't know, which would be, which is kind of an interesting thought. But no, I mean, I think generally he's pretty similar and, and you know, probably doesn't, I'm not sure if the questions overlap that much. I mean, I think one thing you have to realize is, you know, like for American fans, I think the the biggest question is like, what team is he going to play for? And like, you know, like what, and I, I realize this because I get asked a lot of questions for Japanese interviews. And so like, you know, you realize like, like some of the stuff that maybe Japanese fans are interested in and thus the questions he gets asked there are slightly different because the the overall interest might be more about his game yeah at times or like specific mechanical things or like what bat is he using or sponsors or like or just you know things that maybe we as fans here you know we care more about well is the yankees gonna get him like are the mets gonna get him because we we know these teams and they're ingrained in our culture and like what they are and like you know but i think in japan it's like you know the angels are their team now but that's just because shohei's there it's not like it's not like they're like diehard angels fans. It's they, they just want, they just love Otani and they want to know every single piece of information. So when I get asked questions about Otani, a lot of the time it's like, can he win the MVP? But what percentage is it that he's going to win MVP? Like, you know, what if, what differences does he do with his pitching motion? And like all these like very technical, interesting things that, you know, I'd never get asked when I do, um, you know, when I do like interviews with American media. All right. So we'll move on from Otani and just look more positively. If the angels are to add at the deadline, where do you think their focus will be? Probably, probably pitching. Um, I mean, I imagine like like the starting pitcher market's not great or anything like that, but they probably, I mean, I think that would be an area of need for them. I mean, it's just you look at what they kind of have right now, and that I surprised would, would surprise me if you were to, if I were to tell you that like four months ago, but you know, you're not they're not like chock full of incredibly reliable starting pitchers right now. Um, Tyler Anderson's been fine, but like that's the nicest way I could probably describe a season um reed detmer's very inconsistent high pitch counts quite a lot you know um patrick sandoval probably a really disappointing season by his standards and what he was hoping for this year um the, the question is like who would you take out of it i mean i, I imagine chase silseth probably go back to triple a even though he's, he's you know i think when you've put when you put chase silseth in position to do what he needs to do i actually think he's pretty good the issue is that they've like just they've you know he's he's someone that i think needs to be like in a very specified role because he can lose velocity quickly. He can lose command quickly. 
if he knows what he needs to do and he can kind of go in that runway, I actually think he's a pretty good pitcher. Um, but they've really kind of used him in different ways. <laughs> and it's it's obviously just been terrible for him. So, you know, if they can just don't take him out of the rotation, that would be my advice. And if you do put him in the triple A rotation. So I think that there's that that's that's one guy that could probably, you know, fight they could take out and maybe add if they were to add at the deadline a starting pitcher, which I think would be really helpful for them. Um, and then the other obviously would just be relief relief help. I mean, they could they that would be the main area of need from my perspective because um, you know, Chris Davinsky is hurt and had a lot of issues. Uh Jacob Webb, I think, has really become not very reliable for them. Um, you know, even even like I mean, you have you have Joyce out for, for how long, we don't know. Uh Sam Bachman, same situation. Uh, um, you know, Jose Soriano's been good, but again, probably probably like not like someone you want pitching like the eighth inning of a playoff game, right? Like, um, and, and even Matt Moore has been meh since he came back from injury. So I think like, you know, you're in a position where you, you kind of need a like a guy. Like you want, like Estevez has been good, not yesterday, but in general, very good. You want someone else like you can kind of pair with that. And then maybe some of these other guys come back a little bit. Like maybe Webb comes back a little bit, maybe more kind of is that guy, but you maybe want to have him in the sixth or seventh inning as opposed to the eighth. And I think like, I mentioned this, I did another podcast yesterday, some guy who I think the angels could really use is someone like we just saw him the other day and he wasn't very good against the angels, but David Bednar mm. um, on the pirates, someone who I think probably could be traded. He's got, he's got years of control left. I think that's someone that like, if you're going to add at the deadline, like if you can adding someone with years of control, even if it costs a lot is like the way you want to go. So that way, even if it doesn't work out this year, like you're you're in a decent position. I think trading away someone like Edgar Caro is probably going to be a necessary thing if you're if you're buyers this year, which is probably disappointing for for Angels fans because he's he's such a good young player. But that's what it's going to take. It's going to take parting with some you know good young players. Maybe even someone like Joe Adele, or like you flip someone like Hunter Renfro for a mm. you know another major league player. And so I think like I think that's probably what what will need to happen. Um, in order for them to actually have the capital to be able to add what they need to add at the deadline. I think you're a bit harsh on Matt Moore. I know he hasn't been great since he came back from injury, but the first half of the year, I believe in. I mean, he was great last year. He was great in the first half. Yeah, he he was. He was. I mean, I just feel like it's not even about like the overall results over the last couple outings. It's more just, I think it's more like just what, you, what you're kind of seeing and just not that dominance maybe that he had shown before he got hurt. And, you know, even when he's just, you know, he he got hurt, right? Like when you get hurt, you're susceptible to get hurt. Like that's just the facts. And so you have to be able to, you know, have guys, you have to have that depth. And right now I think they're short on relief depth, quite short. I mean, um, you know, I don't think that Gerardo Reyes would be on this team if not for absolute necessity. And, you know, they're also in a position where they've now called up and sent down Jimmy Hergen and Andrew Wance quite a bit. So they're not really, they only could do that five times. And I think they've both done it four times each. And so it's, you know, they don't really have the luxury of, you know, using those guys as freely anymore. So uh, not that they've been that great either way. So it's there, there, there is a need for relief help. Um, I think, uh, especially with the uncertainties of, of some of their injured relievers. I agree. And also with the starting pitch and not going deep into games again, exactly. again, we saw Griffin Canning last night, really good start for him, but high pitch count. Yeah. That's just kind of it. That's kind of that's kind of their mo. It's just like high pitch count. I mean, Tyler Anderson's been like you just not that he's the kind of guy you expect to go eight innings a lot, but like he's just not going six, 
when he went, he took 85 pitches to get through three innings his last start before, you know, last week. So that, that's, that, that's not good enough. And that costs, that costs him that game. Yeah. Moving on very quickly then to the draft we've just seen, and it kind of fits exactly with the process we've been talking about, about win now again, doesn't it? The type of players they seem to be drafting. What did you make of that draft? And how do you see them impacting the team over the next year, two years? Because again, from the outside, it looked like another draft that was designed to have a, quite a big influx of high floor, don't know what the ceiling is, talent into the upper minors quite quickly. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I think it's interesting how often do you see um, teams draft for need. And I don't know if that's necessarily what the Angels did, but I, I look at their major league roster and there's not like a pathway for, I mean, their first base situation right now is not like, it's not strong. Um, it's, you know, it's with Jared Walsh. And I, I think that, you know, you obviously have to question where, where his future is going to be and what, what, where he'll kind of, how he's going to kind of come out of this. Um, and so if, if that's the case, I mean, Mike Moustakis obviously is, is older and is on an expiring contract. I think Trey Cabbage may be more of a, you know, outfielder and, you know, and I think the jury's out on on just how great of a major league player he'll be. So you look at someone like Nolan Chanuel and you think, okay, like this guy's a first baseman. That might be why they went went after him. I'm not saying that's the case, but it's like you just kind of put the pieces together on that. And then, um, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they seem to draft a lot of college players. I don't know if that's a reflection of just how they look at their minor league system or if it's, if it's, I mean, their minor league player development or if it's more of like, you know, they just feel like these guys are closer to the big leagues and they are in need of having players that can get to the big leagues quicker. I think that's probably more, more the case than the, the latter, more the latter than the former, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I will say that. I mean, uh, so far, I don't think you can fault Perry too much for how these drafts have gone, obviously getting Zach Neto. I mean, he's been so good. So it's like, if you can have a player like that in draft, you're, you're, you know, you're the, you're, you're shortstop of the future and the president in the long-term future for a long time, like that's a good draft. I mean, you obviously want to get more players up and they, they have <laughs> got like three players from that draft. So it's, you know, it's so far so good. Uh, it's just, you wonder if you're missing out on other better players because you're focusing so much on the present. And I think that's possible, but it's not something we're really going to know for another couple of years, probably until, until some of these guys start really panning out or not panning out. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And Perry deserves a lot of credit for the Zach Neto pick, mainly just for the elite walk-up song. That's yes. a bit of for me. I mean, every time yeah, he he's, up the bat. I mean, Zach, Neto is, Zach Neto is, I would put him behind Trout and Otani is like the most popular angel at this point. Uh, and, not, and for a good reason. I mean, this guy, this guy gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like he does. And that's like, and that's just something that matters. Like, and I'm not, I don't want to say like someone like Anthony Rendon doesn't give a shit because I, I don't know that. But I think, people can kind of read between the lines on like the, on the ways that this is all played out. And I feel for him and this injury sounds like it's legit and it sounds painful, mm. but it's also one of those things where it's like, when you don't, when you don't say that you care, fans don't know that. And honestly, like reporters like us don't know that. And so I'm not going to tell you that he cares because I don't know, you know, mm. he has, he has to, he has to com communicate that through actions, through words more. Uh, and someone like Zach Neto does all of that yeah. and more, in my opinion. And so, like that—that's why I think fans really gravitate toward him. Obviously, he's played really well, but you could tell, yeah. man. I mean, the other day when they lost that game against the Astros, 
there's this video of him just like sitting in the dugout like an hour after the game ends just like in his uniform and like that mattered to him right like that that is what people that's why people gravitate toward this kid he he gives a shit so it's like that's the kind of player you can build around someone who really is like invested someone who probably in six seven years that guy can lead be a leader on this team not he's already kind of close to that now in a lot of ways but it's but i mean like a vocal leader um and I think that's kind of what what the yeah I think the Angels deserve a lot of credit for for signing someone who was in the first round but below slot, you know it's you know I don't know if anyone would have projected him to be like an immediate superstar. Not that saying that he's that, but I think that he's a legitimate major league shortstop right now and only getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a uh, man. He's that was that was that he they nailed that one. I'll say that much. And he's got an elite hype family on Twitter as well. The oh Nef- man, I the love Nef- the, I love. Urban- Maggie's great, but all of yeah, them. Yeah, Maggie is a is Joaquin, right? Yeah, they're they're uh, <laughs> they're amazing, and they, they as you can tell, that's what I'm saying. It all feeds into this idea, like this this reality. These these people care, right? Like yeah, this family cares. Like he cares. Like and they were and he was re- clearly raised right. Like yeah. you know, good person, good family. Like that's like I think that's a lot of like why people really love Mike Trout too. By the way, like he's got a they've got a lot of those same characteristics in the sense that like you know. Mike's someone that really like he know Mike not only really cares about like winning and playing well and and I, I get you know some of the criticism of you know it's just like being a vocal leader that might not be Mike's thing to some extent but I do think that this guy like cares about the fans a lot and he's super accountable to to everybody that asks him for anything and so I think that's like you, you see I see a lot of not necessarily as a player but I see a lot of as a person I see Neto and, and Trout and similar in a lot of ways I wouldn't I wouldn't compare them as players obviously for a lot of various reasons but. <laughs> Uh, as you know as people like in this in terms of who their families are in terms of who they're you know the, the you know the kind of people they are i think there's some similarities definitely um neto's just going to get better and better i think it's going to really? be a lead on this team as you say is uh rendon on the road trip with the team or not he's not he's not and he's not doing any baseball activity until they get back so you know it's uh, like i said i uh, i think if, i think if he communicated and i think if he uh expressed you know his frustration in the same way that well listen when you make i don't like to make things about money when it comes to this type of thing but i do i do also think that like when you're making 38 million dollars a year you are automatically expected to be a team leader team spokesman someone that's like you know really important to the franchise like a face of the franchise and when you do things like actively avoid accountability or just actively avoid communicating both to the media, to the people who are, you know, your boss and really like the people that are employing you. Like I, I that does not play well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it frustrates fans a lot. And so that's why I think there's a difference between saying he doesn't care because he maybe does care and he might, you know, really have a lot of pride in performing well and being the player that was so good in 2019. And even in the years before that, but he's not, he, he doesn't do He does not take the requisite steps to put himself in the position. And then I think he gets upset when fans get upset at him. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're, you're, you're bringing this on yourself. Right. And that's not, he's not bringing in himself by getting hurt. He's bringing it on himself by not being that face that, that like takes accountability and expresses what he's dealing with. And that's, there's a difference because I'm, I would never blame someone for fouling a ball off their shin and, and bleeding in their bone. And like, that sounds horrible. And I hope that he gets healthy for his sake, really. And that's it. I mean, that's the most important thing. But I will blame him for for putting himself in the position that that he's in with these with this fan base. That that's on him. 
Couldn't agree more. Fans don't expect much, much, particularly Angels fans. I think we're pretty easy going on the most thing, but what they do expect is a bit of accountability and a bit yeah. of passion and at least showing a bit of pride for representing the city and the team. And I think you're right. I mean, where Rendon is with this franchise now and this fan base is, there's not much love left, I think. I think people are just fed up. And you're right, people shouldn't be fed up with the injuries because they're freak. They can happen to anyone. But it's just what's come before and what they see even during the injury that yeah. gets them frustrated rather than the injury themselves. So yeah, I think I mean, it's totally right. I actually like interacting with Anthony a lot. I don't think he likes interacting with me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he does. He's actually told me he likes the back and forth. So, you know, I don't think he's like a bad person at all. I just, just, it's yeah. like, you know, he maybe has some different, like, you know, values in certain ways. Right. But it's, it, he just, he, uh, this is, he's not in DC anymore. Right. Like this is, you know, you're not, you're not a young guy who's, you know, part of a winning culture that's like part of a team that's like established themselves and, you know, put together playoff runs. Like that's not who he is, right? He needs to, you need to recognize that you sign a contract like that. And, and there's, there is a responsibility that comes along with it. And, you know, I hope for his sake, he gets healthy, but um, I think you're right that like, you know, it's like, do you want to be here? Do you want to play in, do you want to play in Anaheim? I'm not saying you have to want to, right? Like if he doesn't, he doesn't want to. I mean, he signed the contract. The angels are on the hook for it. They made the, they made the mistake of making this deal. Uh, and it is a mistake, right? Like this is a, you, is, there's no other way to put it. Um, it's, it's a horrible contract, uh, but he's, you know, there, there are things he could be doing to make it less bad. And there are things he could be doing to like, you know, when he, when he fucking, excuse me, when he effing came out and like went after Jesse Winker, like that was the most, I think anybody's that was the best moment like, of his angels career. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And maybe the lefty home, but yeah. like coming out and defending and like, you know, like, you know, being a part of that, even with a five game suspension like that's like okay like that's because that's what people want they want some passion from him and they want him they want to feel like he's sticking up for his team that he's he wants to be there and that's all anyone asks for he was hurt then right but like that like when you do things like that when you're hurt and when you show that you care when you're hurt that's all anybody asks for and i think that's what we're saying here it's like that's all anyone's asking for is a little bit of passion absolutely no i couldn't agree more sam i won't take up any more of your time i'm sure you've got to get over to a ballpark for a game that's probably not going to be played. Yeah, I just got to get there before it starts pouring rain. So it's like I don't want to walk through the middle of downtown Detroit getting soaked. <laughs> are you with the team for the rest of the road trip? or you Yeah, know? it'll be a long road trip. Yep. Yeah, long time. Well, good luck with it all. We Obviously, you've got a very busy week ahead just as the uh, yes. the team have. So we'll be on the lookout for your pieces, your articles. Just for the listeners, I'm sure pretty much every single one of them already knows who you are, but... Where can they read? Where can they find your tweets? Where can they read it? And where yeah, can they- follow follow me on Twitter at Sam Blum three number three. And then yeah, obviously please go and subscribe to the Athletic. It's uh, you know it'll be an important week, and that's uh, hopefully a good place for you to find information about what's happening. Not just for me, but we have you know a lot of good baseball reporters that break a lot of news, and that you know you'll probably be seeing information there first. So hopefully uh, hopefully you go and subscribe. And I I appreciate the time, Nick, and I appreciate the uh, the space to uh, promote there. Absolutely. And I appreciate your time as well, Sam. Really good to have you on. And that was a, a lively discussion, which I didn't know where it was going to go at the start, but yeah. there's so much to talk about right now. I could keep talking. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah. The Rendon stuff might be the best stuff. So Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> people are going to have to listen to this point. So yeah, they have. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back probably after the deadline when Dave hopefully has returned from his holidays. To- Come on, Dave exactly come it's on australian maybe <laughs> <laughs> cheers all go halos